No, I'm not going to suddenly uh, whip out a solo here and start singing. But, uh, you know, that song, Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come, has is, is always been one of my favorite song, uh, Christmas songs. And I was listening to that on the, it was on the radio the other day, and uh, it struck me that, you know, that same song, which we always sing at Christmas time, it would be just as appropriate at the second coming, uh, you know, uh, of, of Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. You know, and I think about that and just how amazing that that would be, that at the second coming of Christ we could sing that song and... Uh, you know, he'll rule the world with truth and grace and make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. And what a wonderful, wonderful reminder that Christmas is just the beginning. It's not the, the end of the story of Jesus. It's the beginning of the coming of the Messiah. But there's so much more to the story that's yet to come that, uh, that we have to prepare for. As we get going this morning, I have a card here that I'd like to read to you. Uh, was given to us. This is from Kyle and Jamie, and uh, I'd just like to read this. Dear North Hills, Jamie and I are extremely grateful for the very generous gift you guys have bestowed upon us. Your love and care that you already have for us amazes us. We look forward to the opportunity to be able to work with you and and all in leading God's in leading people towards God in His coming kingdom. You all have treated us very well, and we hope to return the favor. See you in a few. God bless and Christian love, Kyle and Jamie McLean. So we look forward to to Kyle and Jamie. Some of you had the opportunity to visit with them and help them the other night, moving some of their stuff into their apartment. And uh, I know that they really appreciated that. And uh, so thank you to everyone who who went out and was able to, to help them get moved in. So... We'll be seeing them here real soon, and uh, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to spending some time with Kyle and Jamie and uh, welcoming them to our church and uh, watching our church take off like a rocket, I believe, under Kyle's leadership, and I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to, to see him. I, I, I No, I don't even know. I don't. <laughs> you gave them something. They were really happy about it, so thanks. <laughs> we gave them a monetary donation to go toward um, the deposit on their apartment and some other things to help them get started. So the church and the financial team got together and they, we gave them a monetary gift uh, this week to help get started. That's awesome. Very good. So... You know, through through the board, you know, we were able to bless them, and I know that they appreciated that very, very much. So, thank you. Many, many years ago, uh, a long time ago, and it seems like a galaxy far, far away, on, uh, on a Sunday morning, probably like this, right at Christmas time, Pete Whitaker had us in the down in the uh, youth room, and we were having Sunday school. And we were down there, and you know, I was had just reintroduced myself to the Lord, and I was, you know, as the kids say, I was on fire for God, and I was reading the Bible, and and had a lot of things. And Pete came in one day with this little, it was like a survey thing, things about Christmas. How much do you really know about Christmas? 
And it was a little quiz-like thing. And he'd read, like, for example, how many wise men were there at Christmas? I'm like, this is easy. There are three. And, no, no, not necessarily. We don't know how the Bible doesn't say how many wise men there were. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And I looked and looked, and sure enough, it wasn't in there. And he got us on another 10 questions or so, just things that, like, man, we really don't know anything about Christmas. And I never forgot that. Because the Bible really doesn't give us the date of Jesus' birth, and it, it never really says anywhere that we're supposed to celebrate his birthday. Um, you know, the observance of Christmas, it's not of any kind of divine appointment. It's really nothing in the New Testament about it. Instead, if you look at the history of Christmas, you know, a lot of the traditions that we have at Christmas actually have their roots in pagan religious rites, all right? Um, the, the, which historically, now here I go as a history teacher, I got to throw a little history in, so don't go to sleep on me here, but I guess historically there in the Church of God, there were members uh, who, who still, well, I don't know if still, but had, had problems of celebrating some of the Christian rituals, like, like the Christmas tree. I'm like, how can, you not have, you, how can you have Christmas if you don't have a Christmas tree? But apparently there's you know, a place in the Bible that talks about them decorating a tree, and it was for this pagan, and, and I got to thinking about it. And, and the Bible does seem to be rather... Uh, it, it takes a bad view of, of uh, working in with pagans and doing that kind of thing, but... You know, the more I think about a lot of the Christian, or excuse me, the Christmas customs that we have, it's, you know, it's, it's just interesting how it, it kind of goes with the Bible. Gift giving, feasting, Christmas parties. Uh, you know, historically, the, there was a Roman uh, tradition. They worshipped a god by the name of Saturnalia, who... Uh, was sort of a, a wild dude. He liked to have a good time. And so they would uh, often have elaborate feasts, the giving of gifts, uh, candles, the burning of the candles, all that work. And, you know, all of that was, you know, that was all suspended during this time of Saturnalia. A lot of, a lot of partying going on and a lot of fun. And, and apparently Christmas lights... Uh, have their tradition through through Europe, and traditionally, you can imagine, winter time was not a very fun time for people in the uh, uh, the Middle Ages and on uh, pre-industrialized societies. It's pretty rough living through the winter time, so they would have uh, during this time of the year big parties again. Anybody know what a Yule tree is? A Yule log. They would go out, the, the men of the, the town would go and they'd cut down the biggest tree they could find and they'd haul the log in there. I always imagine John Lehman pulling in a big old tree and boom, setting her down, light that thing on fire. And as long as the fire burned, it was party time. And every little flick of the flame and every ember, that was supposed to be a, a blessing of a, a, a new lamb or a new calf that was to be born in the new year and, and on and on it went and... Man, how have times changed? You know, it, it's interesting. Some churches still don't celebrate Christmas because of its pagan origins. 
But I'm glad that here at North Hills, like most churches here in, in America anyways, you know, we realize there's a freedom in Christ that uh, you know, we're not bound by ritual, and, but we're bound by a love and a common brotherhood rooted in the belief that Jesus is the Son of God and He is our Messiah. And that it is good that we as Christians remember the coming of the Messiah, that first coming, His, his entrance uh, as God gave His Son. Uh, as a baby, and in human form to be our Savior. He is the King of Kings, and will return again to this world. And for that reason, I celebrate Christmas, as all of most of you do, I assume, as a way to remember that, as the angel said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means, does anybody know what Emmanuel means before I look it up? God with us. Exactly. The creation of his son, Jesus, became a living embodiment of what God could be. It was as if God himself was with us through Jesus. And because of that, I celebrate Christmas and remember it as a time that, that God is, God really was and is still with us. Since Jesus came into the world, people have struggled with how to receive him. Even at the time of his birth, many people didn't quite know how to, who were privy to the information, they didn't know how to receive him. A baby born in a manger, well, the shepherds, they were shocked by the angels. You have the, the three wise men or more, or five, or ten, or who knows how many wise men there were. Magi from the east who came. They probably struggled with, what do we bring him? What do you bring this? You know, how do we handle this, this person who obviously is of some kind of importance? Many of us today, I, I get a kick out of people, uh, my mom in particular, she's constantly... It's like clockwork. My, my birthday is December 9th. Starting December 9th till Christmas, I'll get a text. I love you, Mom, if you're listening this morning. I'll get a text, a phone call. What do the kids want for Christmas? I'm like, I, I don't know. They, they never say. They, they, they really don't care. It's not that they don't care. They just There's not any one thing that they really got to have or want. Or, and she's like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> That doesn't help me at all. I need to know, what can I get them for Christmas? So we end up scrambling around, trying to, you know, Cody, tell me one thing. Just come one thing. Come up with something, you know, for, for Christmas. And we often struggle with that, trying to gift. And what do we give somebody? And what do you... I can only imagine what it would be if, if we were privy to the idea that God's Son has come into the world. What would you give him? What could we possibly give the Son of God as a gift? If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at this. Now, technically, the visit of the Magi, we include it as part of the Christmas story. But historically, this could have been months, if not a year or more later, before these guys showed up. Okay, so uh, 
when the Magi came to see Jesus, he was probably a little kid running around. Okay? Um, and maybe not lying there in, a, in, a, in, the, in the manger anymore. But uh, Matthew chapter 2, and I want to read the first uh, 12 verses here to kind of set the scene. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of, of Judea, in the, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his for we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem, of Judah, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We had talked before, there are many, many places in the Old Testament that pointed forward to the coming of the Messiah. And a lot of, many, many of the Jews missed it, even though it was plain before them. Verse 7, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now the Magi are astrologers. They look at the stars. They look for signs in the skies, in the heavens. Okay, that's kind of what they do. Now I don't believe they, they weren't Hebrew, they weren't Jewish, they weren't Christians. or you know These are probably followers of a, of a, a Far Eastern religion. Zoroastrianism, um, you know, sort of looking into the, 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 the heavens and they would predict things and make predictions. And Anyways, verse 7, Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Plot twist here, he's, he's, he's out to, to get the, this new king of the Jews. He wants to kill him. He doesn't want to come and worship. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. You know, since the early days of Christianity, biblical scholars and theologians have offered a lot of interpretations about the meaning behind these, these gifts. What's the significance of the gold? The frankincense, the myrrh. What is frankincense and myrrh? Is it like little stuff you sprinkle? Is it liquid? You know, what, what is this stuff? You know, these valuable items were standard gifts to many uh, to honor a king or a deity in the ancient world. Gold, of course, is a precious metal. Frankincense was a perfume or an incense, something you could burn it. Today we use... Uh, you know, what's the candle place? Uh, Yankee Candle or Scentsy. 
You know, if the Magi showed up today, they brought their Yankee candles and their, <laughs> you know, give that to him. <clears throat> In fact, uh, and myrrh was an anointing type of oil. In fact, these same three items were apparently among the gifts recorded in ancient inscriptions that, uh, and you, you don't need to know who this guy is, but King Seleucius Callinicus offered to the god Apollo in the, uh, in the temple. This was a common thing. People who wanted to recognize this is a king, this is, uh, in the case of the Romans, this is more than a king. This is one of our gods. They would bring to them gold, frankincense, myrrh. The Magi understood that this child was somebody important. More than just important, this child was a, had some kingly uh, nature to him, divinely appointed by you know, the, the God of the, of the Jews. And so they come bringing gold and frankincense and, and myrrh, which was actually predicted in the book of Isaiah. Now, Matthew's gospel doesn't include the names or the number of the magi. We typically attribute three magi because there were three gifts. There could have been a lot of them. Um, we just don't know. But these traditional gifts may have had symbolic as well as practical value. Researchers believe the medicinal uses of frankincense, for example, were known to the people of, of the world at that time, of the writing of the book of Matthew. Um, in addition to the honor and status implied by the value of the gifts, these were probably very expensive items. Scholars think these three were chosen for special symbolism about Jesus himself. Of course, gold, that's for the kings. Frankincense, Frank, I cannot say, I keep wanting to say Frankenstein. He gave him Frankenstein. Frankincense is a symbol of his priestly role. And myrrh, of course, that's an anointing oil, probably symbolic of his, his death and his later his resurrection. Others suggest that the gifts were probably a, a bit more practical. If you think about it, gold. Here you've got a poor carpenter and this young girl and this baby. What a better blessing than to help somebody Nobody ever, the Bible never says what happened to that gold. I don't think they probably threw it away or hid it someplace. They probably used it. What a gift to give. A lot of traveling going on. If you read about Mary and Joseph, the frankincense, it's believed. Uh, researchers at uh, Cardiff University have demonstrated that frankincense has an active ingredient that can help relieve arthritis by inhibiting the inflammation that breaks down cartilage tissue and causes arthritis pain. I'm not saying Jesus had arthritis, all right? I don't know. I would doubt that. What if you're Joseph? What do you do all day? You build stuff. You work with stuff. My dad used to come home from, the, from Honda every day after putting in a long day at work, and he would just be, ugh. The joints in his, his fingers and his arms and his legs would just be inflamed and just sore and just anything that he could find some kind of relief 
was much appreciated. Just something to think about, I don't know. The Magi from the East, they knew of these things, presented it to the young Jesus, knowing that these gifts were of great value. You know, today we spend a lot of time worrying about what we'll be buying for other people. You know, a big part of tradition, of course, is the giving of gifts. When I was a kid, kids, kids out there, all the kids ran off this morning. There's a few of them here. Uh, we didn't get on the internet and look things up, and we had these things called catalogs. Big, thick catalog, and we would go as go to the Christmas section, and we'd flip through there, and we'd have markers, and we'd circle things. How many of you did that? Look at all the hands. Yeah. Your parents would get it and go, yeah, mm, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we used to do that. When I was a kid, one of the, the greatest gifts that I got was the $6 million man. It's funny because there's a commercial out now of him running around doing things, you know. That and Star Wars toys. Man, I had so many action figures. I think I had 75, 80 of them at one time. That's an, that's a, that's an investment. Man, I'd love, I still got some of them. Uh, not that I'd ever sell them, but they're, you know. Shows you how much of a geek I was. Everybody else with baseball cards. I got, look, I got Luke Skywalker. You know, I got the whole thing. So. But that was a big deal, man. I love those toys. Action and creativity and fun and and uh, just had a ball with that stuff. And my parents were very, uh, very uh, good to us. I never thought about it growing up, but I suppose we weren't that well off. Uh, I never dawned on me. You know, we lived in a mobile home for a long time and never thought anything about it. And you know, we they always made sure we had things to play with and probably spoiled us more than than we should have been. But then I had a great-grandma, my grandma Tullis. She would never give us toys. And we'd always have to go over to her house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we'd go over there, and it was always sort of a stuffy affair. You know, when you're a little kid, you got grandma who, you know, she's probably in her late 70s then in her 80s, and, you know, when you're about 10, you know, that's a big gap to... And then we would give out gifts, and there was a big difference between Christmas morning, where I got the $6 million man in Sasquatch, you know, and what my great-grandma would get me. Socks, underwear, and a shirt. Every year. We always knew what we were going to get. And it became, you know, my sister and I would laugh about, oh, we're going to get some socks. Socks, yeah, socks. You know, we'd, my mom would always tell me, you, uh, you'd be thankful for what you get. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. So, but as a kid, I didn't think that all, that much about it. But as I grew older, I began to realize my great-grandparents lived through this little time period called the Great Depression, they moved around constantly looking for work. My grandfather did not go to the same school two years in a row. He went to school 12 years. Didn't really have kindergarten back in them days. 12 years, 11 of them at a different school every year. 
His junior and senior year, he, he, they managed to stick around West Liberty long enough and graduated from Salem High School. I always wondered why my grandpa was so good with people. Well, I guess you'd have to be when you're constantly on the move. Well, my grandma gave me something I probably needed, not necessarily what I wanted or thought I had to have or wasn't necessarily something fun. It was something I needed because I'm convinced, I'm certain there was a time in their life where a new pair of socks, a T-shirt, and a pair of clean underwear would have been highly valued. Now, I don't say that to shame anybody or make you feel bad. Oh, man, we spoiled our kids this year. You know. I'm glad I could spoil my kids. I spoiled you guys way too much. I hope you realize that. <laughs> Your mother and I spoiled you rotten. But we were glad to do it, thankful that we could do that. And I'm still thankful that I can do that. You know, God's people have always struggled with what to give Him, what to give His Son, what, what, what could we possibly give? You know, many people refuse to be saved because they fear that, you know, Jesus is going to ask for something that they don't want to give up. You know, I like God's promises, but I'm not sure I want to give up everything to, to, to get that. Just like the young rich ruler that we talked about you know, a month or so ago, he asked Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus says, yes, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the guy was like, what? <laughs> do what? I, I don't know about that. How about some gold, frankincense, and myrrh? That, that might be a little better. Well... If the Son of God were born today, what would you give? What would you take to Him, to honor Him? There was a man who struggled with this, this idea of how to, to worship God. And again, through Jesus, in our celebration of Jesus as God's Son, we honor the Father. Here's a verse we don't normally read about at Christmas time. But it's one that I've been thinking a lot about. And if you would, turn to Micah chapter 6. If you're new to, Christ, to the Christian belief, if you're, you know, this year has been a year of growth for you, and you're learning about the Bible and where things are in the Bible, this might be a good uh, verse to commit to memory. There was a prophet by the name of Micah who struggled with what should we give to God? What does God really want from us? If I could give a present to him, what would it be? You know, what would it take today? Would you give him an Xbox One? A big sale at Best Buy. Jesus is coming, the Son of God. We've got to give him something nice. Maybe a PlayStation. Diamond ring. Tickets to Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You know, something fun like that. I don't... Micah struggled with this. Micah chapter 6. Verse 6, what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? What shall, or shall I come to him with burnt offerings? With yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams? In 10,000 rivers of oil? 
Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I mean, he's really thinking hard. What does it God wants? Give him all my livestock. Of course, in those days, that's where a lot of your wealth was wrapped up. Heck, maybe he wants my firstborn son. Sorry, Dustin, I'm going to give you up. Verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God really wants from us. He doesn't want your Xbox. He doesn't want your whatever. If we were to honor God today by choosing gifts for his son, it would not be material things like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think it's much more simpler than that. God the Father simply asks us, as his people, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. He wants a spiritual commitment of the heart from which behaviors then flow. The great theologian Bono once said, God isn't short of cash, mister. What he wants is a spiritual commitment from the, from the heart. For we're in a world where there's so little justice in our world today. Almost everything seems to be unfair. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the bad seem to succeed, and the good seem to fail. Everything's all topsy-turvy. But I wonder what it would be like if we who are a part of the church would wrap up a little gift called justice and bring it to the manger. Lord, we don't care what else the world does. We don't care that the world cheats people, that it's dishonest. But we as your people, we're going to be fair with one another. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to lie to one another. We're going to be fair in our business dealings. We're not going to lie to our customers. We're going to be honest. We're going to be fair with people who aren't like us, who are of a different race, who have different beliefs. We're not going to talk unjustly about them. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to complain. We're not going to argue. We're not going to fight with each other. We're going to be fair. What would it be like if God's people actually did that? God also told Micah to love mercy, to love kindness. The Bible says love is patient and it's kind. Yet sometimes it's hard to find kindness today. A lot of people are unkind. Kindness is a good gift to bring at Christmas time. Maybe you could wrap that up in a little gift and, and give that to to the Son of God. We'll reflect on the true spirit of Christ and show the world that, look, he made a difference. He made a change in our lives. The gift of kindness would be a wonderful gift to bring to Jesus at Christmas time. And the Lord told Micah he wanted one more gift. I want one more thing. That you walk humbly with me. That you would walk humbly with God. You know, God sent his son into a world that's not impressed with humility. 
I'm going to go home here and I'm going to flip on TV and I'm going to watch uh, football. Guys score touchdowns. Yeah, mm, me, you know, it's all about me, you know. There's no humility there. You don't see many people anymore score a touchdown and hand the ball to the ref. Here you go. Why aren't you celebrating? Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to score touchdowns, you know. Walk humbly with your God. You know, Jesus came into a world influenced by Greek culture and art that the Romans had assimilated and continued that, those cultural traditions. People tended to be arrogant and very proud. Things haven't changed. They thought if you were important, you could have a number of slaves, you could live a life of aristocracy, lots of jewelry, uh, a lot of bling, like the kids say, you know. He came into a road impressed by power. Roman officers rode on not just any old horse, stallions, big old expensive prancing horses, shining armor, they had plumes in their helmets, swords, you know, they looked tough, power. And people would respond to those orders. God is not impressed by those things. Into that world Jesus came, not riding a prancing stallion, but seated on a donkey. He came with no great possessions, no fancy jewels, no material wealth. The world was unimpressed. The poor innkeeper, I was picking on him last week. You know, somebody may have said, you got any room? I said, I don't have any room. You know, some poor guy and his pregnant wife were here. I stuck them out back in the stables. Maybe you can go hang out with them. The world was unimpressed. It rejected him. It mocked him. It crucified him. Almost 2,000 years have passed since then, and are we any different than the Greeks and the Romans? Now we're impressed with brand names. i got to have Nike. I'm not going to wear it unless it's Under Armour. i got to drive the right kind of car. i got to have the right kind of this and that. And we still want to wear just the right clothes to be in fashion. we got to drive the right automobile. we got to live in the right neighborhood. Yet to Micah, the Lord said, walk humbly with God. You know, my prayer for each of you is to give each other the gifts of justice, mercy, and a humble spirit. You know, I don't think God's impressed with the stuff we, we give away. He's impressed with when we act with justice. He's pleased when we forgive others. He's pleased when we humble ourselves and, and look to Him as, as our God. You know, even as an infant, Jesus points us in the direction of what the real meaning of Christmas is, is all about. It's not about the gifts that we get. It's not about the trees that we decorate. and the, It's not about the credit cards we run up. You know, you know, uh, it's about taking a moment, humbling ourselves, and thinking of others first. Thinking of others 
who are better than ourselves. These are the things that make Christmas so special. It's something from the heart. It's nothing you can buy. My family had a wonderful time the other night. We all sat down at the kitchen table and actually had, had a little break, uh, birthday celebration for Neola. I won't make you come up and sing the song and put the money in the thing. But, but it was nice. The whole family was there. We sat down and laughed and, and Rachel was there and Luke was, was there, I think, and everybody was there and, and we had a great time and it was, it was fun. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't run out and buy anything expensive, dear, because I never thought of it. <laughs> it's not because I wanted to be humble and do the thing of the heart. But Dustin, he's the one who remembers these things. He went out and he made sure that we had a card, that we all signed it. Uh, Kayla and Luke made a baked brownies for like two hours. He baked brownies. I mean, when you forget to turn the oven on, it kind of slows it down a little bit there. But hey, they, they got that thing going and decorated it. And we just had a wonderful time. And it, it's, it just kind of got me just how important it was. These are the things that matter. Not the stuff. But the, but the, the ability to sit down and to be kind to one another. To listen to one another. To laugh. To have some, have some fun. None of those things cost any money. I want to close with a, a reading out of Philippians chapter 2. Chapter 2, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose... Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Nobody can be equal with God. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what Christmas is about. Not the stuff we get, not the... The, the fluff, and all of that's fun, and it's important that we, we keep traditions up. But what God really wants from each of us is our heart. That we would be kind to one another. That we would love one another. That we would think of others as being more important than ourselves. 
looking to Jesus as that example. He came into the world as a baby. He lived and he died for us. Why? Because he considered you to be better than he was. That's the ultimate example. And for that reason, God highly exalted him to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this Christmas season. Lord, help us to be thankful that the Messiah has come and that through his example we can really know what it is that you want from us. What could we possibly give to Jesus, Lord? And I thank you for the simple instruction to just be kind to one another, to be just, to be merciful. And Lord, above all, help us to be humble and to walk humbly with you in a world that does not value those things. God, I love you today, and I thank you for this church. I pray for John uh, Lehman, that you get him back on his feet. pray for those others who can't be here because they're not feeling well. God, we love them. Help us to remember them and to love them here at Christmas time. Father, it's in your name that we give thanks today. In the name of Jesus, amen.